Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're here to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. And we're back. We are back. We're back with a guest. A guest? (laughs) Whoa, there he was. With his... Magic voice that is 80,000 octaves lower than both of Casey and mine. Pretty much. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hi, Jeremiah. Welcome to our podcast. Hooray. <laughs> this is pretty much how it goes. All right. Yes, we are celebrating Megamorphs 1 by having our uh, other friend slash Animorph fanatic, Jeremiah, record with us. Because we can't cover this mega book on our own. So big we needed three people. <laughs> it was like 50 pages longer, and that is like 50 more than my attention span. Was it 50 pages longer? No, it's like 75 pages longer. Is it really? Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's usually she's like between like 120, 130, maybe 140. This one was 227. Huh. <laughs> Something around there. Let's see how good my memory is. 231. 231. Shit. 231 pages? Maybe I only read 227. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> and I just gave up. I was like, fuck this book. I'm not going through the last four pages or five pages or whatever. Did I tell you guys <laughs> about my math problems these past two weeks? No. no, you did not. Okay. So here's my dementia kicking in. Last Saturday, I went to a hoof clinic and it said on the website, a four hour clinic. The hours were 10 to 4. And I'm like, oh yeah, 4-hour clinic. Because, you know, 14 minus 4 is 10. That makes sense. Then I fucking remembered how clocks work. And it was a 6-hour clinic. (laughs) Yeah, that was special. So you think I would have learned, right? This weekend, I had to be somewhere at 10 a.m. So I went there at 10 a.m. I was 15 minutes late. And I'm like, oh, I feel a little guilty, but not that bad. And then uh, when I got there, I realized it was at 11.30. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So for the first one, uh-huh. is it possible you confused military time? Did you think that four meant fourteen hundred, which would have been two p.m.? Not even been... a little. Okay. I confused time with math. All right, I tried to help you out, but really. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you for throwing me that bone. <laughs> which I'm going to reject completely. No, it was because the website said four hours and then said ten to four, and I was like, yes. <laughs> Mathematically, that is sound. <laughs> so I threw you that bone and you smacked it out of the air like Captain America and the Avengers. <sighs> yes, and when it hit the ground, I said, another! <laughs> <laughs> oh my <Yep>. god. <laughs> so, time. Time is hard. Also, we're drinking tonight because we can't do this book sober. This book. This book. I, you were saying, Jeremiah, that it was not that bad, which I agree with. But I want you to say it in your words because I forgot already <laughs> what you said. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a good one. It, it was, it's it's not the one. best of the Megamorphs, but it's. I mean, to be fair though, my favorite Megamorphs, without spoiling it for Casey, 
is the biggest hot pile of trash megamorphs, but I love it <laughs> because of reasons Jeremiah knows, but Casey doesn't. <laughs> and, and you don't even need to say which one you're talking about for me to know exactly which one oh, you're talking about. Oh, yeah, obviously. So, for the noob, which is me, how many megamorphs are there? Four. Four? Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's That's four fine. chronicles, and then there's two alternomorphs. Chronicles of Narnia? Because there's in this podcast there. about animorphs, we talk about the Chronicles of Narnia. There's a lion in it and kids. All four of them. All four Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> oh, and a half man, half animal. Yes. The, the and satyr guy. a lion later in the series. So it, there's a lot of parallels between she animorphs. She said it first. And Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> I'm just gonna, yeah. She said lion first. She did. It's on her. <laughs> we're just talking about spoilers without saying any spoilers but using eye contact and hand gestures god damn it <laughs> you'll find out one I'm day such a noob. well oh. yeah but not for long not for long i'm becoming slowly long. enlightened over time and one day you'll know all and then you'll be like wow alex why'd you get that stupid fucking tattoo <laughs> oh yeah you should you should tell the audience about that Oh, I got a stupid fucking tattoo. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say it like that. I got a really, really cool tattoo. I can show Jeremiah right now. On my arm. See? He nods nice. approvingly. I do, I do. Mm-hmm. It's um, a quote from an Animorphs book, uh, which I will say because Casey has no clue what the context is, so it doesn't really matter. It has the cool Animorphs Y up front, and the rest of it is Ariel, which, if you didn't know, was the font used in the Animorphs books. And it says, you mattered. So that's my tattoo. I've had it, I mean, I had it the last time we recorded, too. I just didn't call attention to it. That's not true. I sent you a thousand pictures. I'm sorry. You did. Of your awesome bicep. Well, it really was a flexing picture. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I took a few, and I was like... Yep, that's the lighting there. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Is is this tattoo just a way for you to like subtly show off your bicep? Like, oh, look at look at my tattoo that I got. Just flex. I mean, I didn't want to say anything. But, yeah, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> that's I'm all about the flexing. I mean, I what's the what point of having a tattoo on your arm if you can't show off some guns? Right. Exactly. It's true. It's true. Regardless I mean, of whether you have guns or not. I I have some guns. Yeah, you do. I I do. What kind of guns? Like, if you had to equate them to a real gun, what kind of guns would they be? Shit. My default is just to say my favorite gun, because it's, I think, within the class that I would classify my guns as, and that's the Colt New Army pistol, the revolver. It's not, like, a little, like, you know, one you put in your purse or your sock or, like, the size of a credit card. (laughs) That would be an impressively small gun. Have you seen those? The credit card guns? I have not. Okay. I've shot one before. It's it's fucking horrible. It's Have it's you? literally yeah. It's horrible because there's nothing to absorb the recoil because it's literally no. like a last ditch effort gun. So it's about that big, size of a credit card. Casey, you can't see this, but I'm making a shape with my hand. I have no idea how big a credit card is. This is really upsetting <laughs> to me that you guys are are doing this physical demonstration, and I have no idea what you're talking about. I feel so left out right now. I, how good is your credit that you don't know what a credit card is? <laughs> anyway, guns. Anyways, guns. Okay, so yeah, it's like the size of a credit card. You can fit two bullets into it, but they literally, like, the, you shove them in the hole and they're right there. And then you pull the trigger at the bottom and it's like, it the trigger, there's nothing below your palm. So you have to hold it kind of weird too. So your fingers just kind of wrap around it. And the recoil is like... You can shoot a much bigger gun, and there's way less recoil than this stupid little one. Like, I shot it twice, and my hands 
hurt. And they're like, this is just a self-defense gun. Like, you put it in your purse, you take it out, and you you have two shots, that's it. Hmm. So, yeah, it's a horrible gun. So, bodybuilder, like... That would be like... Like the power thirst bodybuilder, like how... What kind of gun would that be? Would that be like... It's gotta be like a rifle, right? Some kind of rifle, Like a grenade launcher? No. Or like... Or like would a cannon count? That's like steroids. That's like Schwarzenegger's height, like... Oh, he's is he yeah. cannon level? Schwarzenegger is a cannon? Maybe, maybe. Well, probably not anymore. Not anymore, but like, <laughs> but like at the height of his bodybuilding, when he was one of the mm-hmm. one of the best in the world. When he was competing against, yeah. uh, he was competing against the guy that became the Hulk, I think. Bruce Banner. No, not Bruce Banner himself. <laughs> oh, the <okay>. actor <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's let's leave that there. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so man. Bruce Banner would be like a cannon level too. <laughs> any any more questions, Casey? Oh, oh all right. Now I'm, I'm good. Okay. I'm very enlightened now. I, I don't feel very enlightened at all. I just feel like confused and sad. Oh, shit. All right. Should we get into this book now? I think all right. so. All right. It's, it's time. All right. Well, Rachel's going to gymnastics camp. Megamorphs number one. That's the book. She goes to gymnastics camp. She has a good all time. Right. And she has a great time. I'm glad we could all meet up here and do this. The best time. The best time on the balance beam. <laughs> and the um, they non-parallel? Unparallel bars? Parallel bars? Adjacent bars? I don't Kitty know how gymnastics bars. work. <laughs> Kitty corner bars? <laughs> yeah. Yep. What about infinity bars? Did you say titty bars? <laughs> If, if, if you wanted to pretend that I said titty bars, that's fine. <laughs> that's what I that's heard. That's on you. I don't know what you said, but what I heard was titty Infinity. bars. Infinity. Infinity. <laughs> titty bars. That's a That would be a different direction for this thing. series. Yeah. So in, in Megamorphs 1, that's, Rachel goes to a that's titty That's like bar. a bar you go to. Like, you like a pub. You first, folks. <laughs> for a reason. We're, we're breaking this news. <laughs> Rachel goes to a titty bar. <laughs> <laughs> Marco doesn't. Marco does not approve of titty bars. All right, so what actually happens is Marco convinces Rachel to go to the titty bar, and uh, (laughs) after a lot of teasing, Rachel says they won't survive two days without her, which is probably true. Um, But then Marco says, yeah, we'll we'll be fine, and, and you're probably just scared to leave us, and blah, blah. And she goes, fine, I'll go. And that's uh, how Rachel gets off on her own adventure in this book. I... Then we find out that some of them are going to a pool party. And some of them are not. For reasons that will soon become apparent. Except, did they become apparent? Oh, wait, yeah. Yeah, they did. They blatantly did. (laughs) My brain was like, oh yeah, that was another plot hole that I found. And then I realized, no, it's not. Let's fill that plot hole. There's a history there. That's true. We're not there yet, though. For right now, it is a plot hole. You're right. I jumped ahead. You did jump. We'll let you have your plot hole for one more narration because okay. now we jump to Rachel narrating. Jake gave us the open. Now we're at Rachel because this entire book is narrated by different characters. So I'll have a question Try for it. you guys coming up about that soon. I probably have an answer for you. <laughs> I swear to God, I hope you do. And if you don't, I can always make one up. Perfect. Because other, if you guys don't answer me, this podcast falls apart <laughs> fucking faster than it already has. <laughs> Whew, Rachel's narrating now. 
Um, she walks us through the uh, opening construction site, introducing each other. They kind of take turns in this opening, um, introducing each other character. Rachel tells us a little bit about Tobias, and uh, this is kind of where we start to see their her commenting on their relationship, and I think we start seeing it in this book more than the previous ones as an actual relationship. Mm-hmm. Although not really, because well, he's a hawk. And in the first chapter, um, which was a Jake chapter, mm-hmm. uh, he and Cassie exchange a look, and kind of like a, hey, hey, they just said something because they like each other. Cassie thinks that it's kind of romantic that they're in love with each other, and Jake thinks it's kind of sad because Tobias is trapped in a hawk morph forever which 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 do you guys think yeah i'm i'm with jake on this one i think it's like cassie's looking at it from like an unrequited love kind of perspective but an unrequited love sucks yeah yeah that's not fun she doesn't know that yet she's only like 12 so this is true but she'll find that out i guess that's not a plot hole that was just an observation about life all right so rachel before she leaves on this bus, she's going to check in with Tobias because she brings him things in the woods sometimes, like books and things that hawks don't really use or need. And uh, so she goes, she's going to morph into an eagle and go fly and find Tobias in the woods. And she's talking about how great flying is, of course, duh. And when she approaches uh, Tobias's territory, she sees X galloping through the woods. And she's like, oh, I'll go drop down, say hi, see what's going on with him. And as she drops down, she notices some baby birds and then gets mobbed by crows which causes her to dive into the woods and, like, careen around a little bit and then slam headfirst into a tree and pass the fuck out. And die. And she died. And that's the end of this book. <laughs> yep. And uh, that's how the series ends. And there was five. <laughs> and then there were, and then there and were five. And Fluffer McKitty killed them all. <laughs> yep. I think we've been Fluffer able to McKinney. find an alternate Fluffer McKitty kills everyone ending to every book since Fluffer McKitty. He's gonna come up in every single podcast. Every also, single podcast. I like to think he orchestrated the crow mobbing attack. What? Like, he was in the tree with the crows. He was like, that eagle. And he was like, fly, my pretties, fly? Yeah, yeah. Or he just chased them out all at the same time. Uh, But then the crows would mob him and not Rachel. Also, when has an eagle ever taken a small (laughs) fledgling or hatchling? Didn't specify. I would be specific. Hatchling. They're hatchlings. She said they were cute. They're probably fledglings, but... They weren't out of the nest, so hatchlings. Yeah, I was like, most baby birds are not so cute. Like Especially crows. Yeah, yeah they're kind of gnarly looking. They're a little oh, gnarly looking. Oh, do you yes. guys remember that photo that was going around a couple years ago? It was of like a black baby like chicken or something, and everyone was like, this is a baby crow, isn't it cute? And I was like, what are you even trying? No, that's not a crow. You're lying. I do I not recall that. Really? Yeah, you're going to have to send it to us. Okay, I'll, I'll post it on the page. It must have been happen. a cool thing that was in your neck of the woods, where all the cool people that know him... <laughs> My neck language, of the internet. Your neck of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> we live in different internet subdivisions. I don't get chicken pictures. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will post that on the page for everybody. Everyone's reference. Okay, good. It'll, it'll be a teaching moment. This is not what baby <laughs> crows look like. They're not the that cute. You know. They're pretty fugly, actually. Yeah. The more you know. They're like bald little ancient men with large noses. <laughs> They're like the Skeksis <laughs> from the Dark Crystal. Oh, I get that reference. Yay! <laughs> oh, that took me a minute. But I get it. Anyway, Rachel beefs it on a tree. She does. She, she does. does. She beefs it, it. She She knocks the fucking memory right out of her face. <laughs> 
So once she passes out, she obviously can't narrate anymore. So Marco takes over. <laughs> and he's really freaking upset about this pool party. And Axe is like, I don't understand why you'd want to go where nobody wants you there. And Marco's like, you don't understand. See, she likes me, but she doesn't like me, but she like likes me. And Axe is like, I don't understand. Because he's an alien. And this clearly isn't just a stupid way to say something. It's obviously because he's an alien. Um, but he's blackmailing Axe into busting up the party with him because Axe has fleas and Marco has promised him a miracle powder that will cure all of his ailments. Is it frontline? They didn't give me a brand name, which is weird. They gave me Nilla Wafers. They did? Why didn't they give me And Ben and Jerry's. And Ben and Jerry's. Oh, you're right. There's a ton of product placement in this book. Yeah. But somehow no, uh, no flea medicine. Although it says powder. Does frontline come in a powder form? I've not seen it in a powder form. I haven't either. Neither. Mostly oil and, and pill form. Yeah, that's I've seen the one you put on their their shoulder blades. It smells between bad. their shoulder blades, whatever. Apparently don't know how to apply front line. <laughs> uh the base of the neck between the shoulders and along the back. Alright. You go all the way down the back? Usually spots at each of those locations. Okay. And on the butt. And they Sorry, probably the base wouldn't of even... the tail, not on the butt. They Don't probably wouldn't even audience. have the correct dosage for Axe, because think about how long his back is. He'd have to bust out, like, two front lines. Although, to be fair, usually with, with, oil, with the oils, it's not actually the oil itself on the skin. It's just a way of getting it into the bloodstream. Really? So, it, so huh. it would be his weight more than anything else that would matter about the dose. Oh, so even if we use, like, two doses, it probably wouldn't work, because, I mean, how much does Axe weigh? We're, I don't know if you know this, but our podcast is really, we, we go into weights <laughs> in depth. <laughs> so, I, I think it's what an I, oversight that we haven't covered how much Axe weighs yet. <laughs> what I want to know is how dense his fur is. Like, I and if think that it's affects... more luxurious than dense. I don't know. That's kind of the impression I get every time somebody goes into his fur or whatever. Yeah. He probably weighs, like... I mean, if he's, ha- like, let's say he's deer weight. Yeah, he's usually compared to a deer, so you add, right. like, half a human. Mm-hmm. And, like, half a human. And he's young, so he's not fully grown. So let's, right. say, let's say 80 pounds for our half a human. Let's say 60, because it does go, like, down <laughs> Again, to, how like, how much do 12-year-olds weigh? Right, 80 pounds. So, like, we'll right. say his torso is, like, 60, because it goes down to, like, hip level. And let's just, because he's probably slightly larger than a 12-year-old child. And then a deer body. And deer weigh, like, what, 300 pounds? I imagine somewhere around there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, it says a large I mean, deer or a small horse. So let's say 300. Okay, okay. Like a small horse would still be around 800 pounds. Okay, I know and horse then you gotta, <laughs> you gotta take tail into consideration, too. Right. And I have blade. no clue. Well, the blade's gotta be super lightweight, probably, to be able to go super fast. But his well, tail. Yeah, I, would, I would roll the weight into the rest of the weight of the deer or horse, depending on what you're trying to compare them to. You're right, because the, we don't have the deer you neck know. and head. Right, exactly. Okay, so... So I'd imagine oh, that would balance out for weight. It's just plus the human-esque. So let's say, like, 450? I think is what we're leaning towards. That would be a good guess. This, this is a very important... This is very important <laughs> what we're doing here. <laughs> this is honestly the most scientific we've ever gotten. Probably. Maybe. Uh. Other, other than factoids. <laughs> so yeah, Axe weighs 450 pounds. So how much frontline would we have to give? (laughs) (laughs) Largest doses I know of usually go up to about ninety pounds. So, like, oh, that's expensive. That's that's just cost prohibitive at that point. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so basically, these kids we have should just no money. <laughs> so let's just give him a flea collar. Okay, <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Solved. Axe gets a flea collar. That's why you go with the off-brand flea powder. Right, because the flea powder will. That'd will... be like twenty bucks for the whole body. Oh, that's not even bad. I twenty bucks and Frontline would have been like we're talking like hundreds of dollars now in Frontline. Yeah, it's really expensive. Yeah, screw that. Uh, the real question is, has anybody given him heartworm medication? <laughs> or rabies shots. He should get I mean, a rabies shot. If he's eating Ooh. grass only through his... Through his feet? Through his... Then he'd get ringworm. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh. Well, I'm, worried about it. I'm worried about our boy Axe. Good thing Please. morphine cures all of these things. <laughs> That's so true! It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. But... If it didn't, we would be very concerned. Although, Cassie at the barn has horses, so she has butte, she has heartworm medication, she has vaccinations on hand. Oh my god. Cassie, once again, missing the animal care. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even going to say it as me, like, being mean to Cassie, because I hope you know I'm joking. 25 minutes in. 45 minutes in. Using this uh, flea powder as... um, blackmail uh marco gets uh asked to help him out with this pool party scheme and then tobias comes in with a mouse for marco and i don't understand how tobias got roped into this stupid scheme especially like, because he's like very openly disapproving of the scheme yeah he is he's like i think your idea is stupid it, but but is he disapproving though because i feel like he feels like he has to be the one who says this is a bad idea but he's still the one watching all the antics I mean, maybe he I was just guess. so bored. He's so bored. He wanted to cause chaos because it was too boring. I mean, life as a hawk not not super interesting for a human boy face head. That's so he, he's got he's got cause yeah. cause some trouble. <laughs> cause trouble trucks. But you don't <laughs> want to be the one getting in trouble for the trouble, right? Which is why he's you pretend to be disapproving. Oh, so he has plausible deniability. Exactly. Okay. Oh I get God. it. He didn't know what Barco wanted the, the mouse for. I feel like he did, though. He I feel knew. like he had very explicit knowledge <laughs> of what Barco was going to do. Well, anyways, Tobias is helping him. And uh, then we find out the reason that Marco is not invited to the pool party to begin with was because last time he was invited, he floated a baby Ruth in the pool and told everyone it was poop. And he's like, that's when I was like six. And then Tobias goes, you were like ten. So this was, like, based on our other guesstimates two years ago. She clearly remembers yeah. it very well. Here's here's my question, though. I, I feel like, okay, if they're 12, and Tobias used to move around a lot, so let's say he's, like, fairly new to the area, how would he know that? Unless, like, somebody mentioned it in passing. Well, he moved back and forth between yeah. this area and his aunt's house. He didn't really move like cities or anything he just had different residences yeah and i think he'd switch schools but like he still was like back in this area more like he came back and forth from this where they are now so like i think he has a few times where he wouldn't be going to school with them but it you know probably overlapping with like summertime and like vacations and maybe one year over there like i don't think Mm. it would have been too far okay. of a stretch to say he would know about this. Especially because okay. this would be making the rounds at school. Oh, that's true, that's yeah. true. I mean, I was entertained by it as an adult. I might do that at my next pool party. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a classic. It's but... pretty classic. Why would you waste a perfectly good candy bar? Because that's, it's that, funny. That's, 
That's where my mind is. You could eat the other ones. It's a party. Presumably there's, uh, like, more than you can feasibly eat in one party. I went to Bias. I don't endorse this. Okay. Well, I'll keep going. Um, Tobias does make a passing comment that he saw an eagle get mobbed by crows earlier. And that That's is awkward. the circle of life. It's awkward. That's awkward. So, um, Jake is talking again. And my first question for you guys is, how do you feel about this change in narrative between the characters? Mm. I mean, I was expecting it to... At first, I was expecting it to, like, do a complete circle through all the characters. No, not like, even do, close. Yeah, but, <laughs> like, that wouldn't make sense. Order of story. I think it works sometimes, and it doesn't work other times. And I will comment more on that probably, like, after we're done with the recap. But I, w- I will state up front that I think there were problems with per-character chapter format. Okay. Fair enough. I liked it. I thought it was a good way of moving the plot along while still having the same story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also... Like in other type of book series, a lot of the ones I like have changing narratives anyway. Like Game oh, of sorry. Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was thinking more of Redwall when I said, but, you know, yeah, that too. So I, I'm more, I guess, uh, predisposed to to like that style of, of storytelling. But, but yeah, I thought it was, it was a good try. I, I do agree that there were some places where it kind of was rough in this book, but it was also may have been more of an experiment at that time. Yeah, I think it definitely got better as the book went on. Yeah. I think the problematic part for me is this part right up front where we see the exact same story from three different yeah, perspectives, exactly. which is, it's... That that works a lot better when it's separate parts of the story. Right. And you switch based on where the action is happening, which the second half of this book totally supports yeah. that. The first <laughs> half, eh, maybe not as much. All right. Well, anyways, Jake is talking. And he's talking to Cassie about how he feels guilty that they're at this party. Um, And then he mentions that, like, there's some kids nearby dancing to rock music. What 12-year-olds dance at a party to rock music, especially? (laughs) Ones that are trying to look really cool. When has anyone ever looked cool (laughs) doing that? (laughs) I didn't say succeeding. I said trying. Okay. See, when I was 13, we had, like, our first school dance, and, like, a lot of people went, but nobody danced. Everyone just, like, stood around in the gymnasium. Except to Cotton Eye Joe. This is true. Uh... <laughs> they didn't like... play Cotton Eye Joe, that's the thing. That was What? Purely, that was purely, like, a wedding song. You go to a wedding and you hear Cotton Eye Joe. I I've love Cotton Eye Joe. I've never heard but... Cotton Eye Joe at a wedding. I have. What? Yeah, that, that's a thing. Okay. It's like Cotton Eye Joe, the Hokey Pokey, the Cupid Shuffle. Not, well, I mean, not that. Midwest Weddings. Shuffle. Yeah. Midwest Weddings. <laughs> it's so true. I feel like I've still never heard Cotton Eye Joe at a Midwest wedding. Uh, I mean, the Cupid Shuffle for sure. What else? That's it. That's the only one. Basically Cupid modern Cupid. square dancing. Well, they played Cotton Eye Joe at least Cha-cha once slide. at every... <laughs> Cha-Cha Slide, yeah. Isn't that, like, basically the same as a Cupid Shuffle, though? It's just different instructions. Yeah. You have to do some stuff twice. It's very confusing. And then when they say left and right, I'm fucking dead in the water, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I know my left and rights, but I can't do it on the fly. (laughs) Make the L with your fingers. I did that the other day, too. When I was getting my tattoo, actually, he goes, left arm or right arm? And in my head, I went, right. And then I'm like, this is permanent. And so I put both my hands up like this into L's (laughs) and backwards L. And he was like, yeah, I do that, too. And I was like, it's... (laughs) I'm like, it's just, it's permanent. I gotta be sure I'm giving you the the correct arm. (laughs) So, um, after these idiot 12-year-olds are dancing to rock music, 
uh, Jake and Cassie are chilling in some lounge chairs when suddenly screams happen and terror and chaos. And then we see the thrower of this party, Darlene, running around with two tiny little mouses chasing her like little lions after a large wildebeest. Because <laughs> that's not suspicious at all, you little, you little shits. Yeah, not even a not even a tiny bit. And um, she starts running around. She runs towards some football dude that's like he's like, "I'll squish the mice." And then then they confirmed that it was Marco and Axe. As soon as he said that, like Marco splits off and is like, "Go left, away from the guy squishing us." And they're like, "Well, it must be Marco because all the other other evidence just wasn't quite enough yeah. to convince <laughs> them." So uh, they they're running around about to get squished, and then uh, they start. Saying, you know, head towards Cassie if they want to live. If any little mice would like to live, they should stop this shit now. <laughs> and <laughs> that's when uh, Marco realizes he's busted. And so they run into the house and start demorphing in the basement. And as they do that, a strange tornado descends upon the house and tears off the entire top half of it. The entire Pretty roof. Much. and Yeah. Enough time at least to open up the basement. Yeah, all the way down to the basement. So, what, two, three floors? I don't know. Who knows? A well, lot. Knowing her, she's fucking rich. She's got a pool, a really nice pool. So yeah. it's got to be at least three. That's what I think. That's fair. That's a fair assessment. And it goes all the way down to the basement. So um, Marco's talking about morphing mouse. We kind of reset back. This is where the problematic stuff happens. We reset back to Marco talking about morphing and listening in on the conversation with Darlene. Um I did note that Axe yells, it's insane, when he gets the mouse instincts, which he's totally picked up from Marco, very obviously. <laughs> um, and then Marco goes to listen in at this party and inserts his own name into Darlene's head with thought speak, and they just start trash-talking him about how immature he is and how stupid and all that, that sort of junk. And that's when he decides that he's going to run over her feet to scare her, and we get the whole running after her, getting stomped perspective thing again from Marco's side of the story. And uh, then it stops again at the roof getting torn off the house and they're totally defenseless. So, And I think that's what you're saying there. That's actually, I think, part of why the, the change in narrative is a problem is because rather than continuing the story, mm-hmm. it goes back in time. Yeah. yeah. That, that's where this falls apart a little bit. Yeah, because then there's a Tobias chapter where Tobias is, like, in the air and he's, like, thinking, oh, like, oh, this party looks fun. But then he sees the monster from his perspective and, like, it, it doesn't do anything. Like, the only yeah. advancement in that story is that he notices that it suddenly uh, stops and takes off takes off towards the woods. Yeah, so, and like, I think the only thing he even added to that was, like, the part of them going towards the house where he scared off, like, an alley cat and a cooper's hawk. Yeah. Oh, the cat. Yeah, that's... It didn't add anything. And also that Tobias one came after we get Rachel's view again. Because it cuts to Rachel. She wakes up half bird and screaming. She has no idea who she is, what's going on. She winds up changing back into human kind of through concentrating and guesswork. She doesn't really know what's happening to her or who she is. But then it jumps back to Tobias with the (laughs) the mice morphing. It's like, it just, that part, this was like the most glaring part where I'm like, this didn't really work so well. Mm-hmm. And then Tobias, the only thing he adds at the end of this, after the whole same roof is gone, house is open, we see Marco, we see Axel, the monster goes away towards the forest. And we don't know why yet, but then all of a sudden it's chasing Rachel. <laughs> so we cut to Rachel's perspective, and she doesn't know who she is. She 
ends up having this giant tornado thing chasing her. So she's running through the woods. She's running towards wherever to try and get away from it. Ends up at a freeway. She crosses like six lanes of traffic and cuts in front of a Ben and Jerry's truck, which the monster hits and just completely obliterates and sends ice cream flying everywhere, to which I wrote fucking devastating. (laughs) And then she watches the chaos unfold as the beast kind of loses focus and disappears. And she's just stuck in this ditch like, what the fuck just happened? And still doesn't know who she is or where she is or any like... Or much of anything. Much of anything. Except she knows Ben and Jerry's. (laughs) She knows English. And she knows Nilla Wafers. And that's all that you really need. (laughs) That's all you need to be a functioning human being. (laughs) Honestly, if you set me loose in the world with those parameters, I think I'd live. So um, then we cut to Cassie's perspective. So first time we're in Cassie's perspective in this book. And they're gathered at the barn watching a news program. And they're talking about the sentient tornado. They say they're taping it. And so, Casey, I wanted to call out from episode four... That I guess they do tape the news constantly for no apparent reason. <laughs> I wonder if they, like, tape the news every night and then if there's nothing interesting, they just, like, re-record over it. Because, like, VC- VHS tapes were, you know, they cost money. And they're 12. How much did VHS tapes cost back uh, in the day? Yeah, I really don't know. A lot. Like twelve ninety nine. Fucking lot. Yeah. Because you get, like, a pack of them. Like, they come in packs of, like, two or three. <laughs> three is such a weird pack number. <laughs> yeah, but they're thick. So, like, I'm trying to think. If you're trying to stack them on a shelf, like, That's what, what she said. Sorry, what were you saying? I got him dying. Um, yeah, uh, you derailed my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, then I'll just keep going then. year old dick joke. Hey, this book started with a poop joke. I think it's fair that I can make a 12 year old dick joke. I feel like, well, let's just move on. Yeah, Yeah. all right, I'll move on. So, um, on the news, Marco spots something weird. For just a split second, there's a tall, blonde model of a girl in a black leotard and no shoes. And then I I wanted to point out that if this were modern times, they could totally buy toe shoes and morph some toe shoes. They could. Oh! Right? Damn. So, Cassie, agreeing that that looks like Rachel... She calls up Rachel's house and Jordan answers and she's like, hey, can I talk to Rachel? And Jordan's like, uh, she's at that camp. Cassie, duh, you should know this. And Cassie's like, oh, yeah, I was just confused or something. And then they're like, okay, so Rachel's here. And that's great. They actually found out really early on in the book that Rachel was still in the area, which was weird for how much effort they put into making sure no one knew where Rachel was. And then, like, by page 15, we now know where Rachel is, and so does so do all the Animorphs. They just have the general area. Yeah, like, they know she's not at gymnastics camp, wherever that was. Sorry, that just occurred to me. Anyways, moving on. Um, we cut back to Rachel's perspective. She's walking through the woods trying to remember uh, who she is, what the fuck is happening. She comes across this crazy old lady living in a shack. And this lady is pretty convinced that she's running some sort of store. So she's like, she walks up on this girl in the woods near her shack and she's like, you're gonna need a receipt to return the item. And Rachel's like, what? (laughs) And uh, then she asks the lady about buying shoes and uh, the lady goes, will you be paying with cash, credit, or debit? And Rachel picks up some tree bark and says credit and then buys some shoes from the lady, which it's really funny that like Rachel getting somehow lost in the woods still has a shopping experience happen to her. Of course, because it's Rachel. Ay, ay, ay. So the lady um, decides that uh, she's a yerk 
that Rachel is a yerk as she's going through the shoes. I don't know if she thinks Rachel has a yerk in her head or physically is a yerk because that is unclear. unclear. Yeah. She might think Rachel's physically a yerk. Um, So she hits her over the back of the head and throws her in this weird thing under the cabin, which I'm assuming is like some sort of storage cellar that... Probably like a root cellar, yeah. Yeah, has a door or something on it. So throws her in there, throws her into the cellar. And that's the end of Rachel's perspective. So the lady, Rachel asks the lady her name and the lady's like, my name or its name? We are two, not one. So Mm -hmm. like, I was like, okay, she's obviously like an ex-controller. How the fuck did she get away? Well, Yerks have to feed every three days, and in the last oh, was book, she one of the was she one of the the people from the Yerks that starved because of the Kendrona shortage? We can make yeah. guesses, okay, but we don't know. We can guess that she might be. Maybe yeah. we're starting to see some effects of them destroying the Kendrona in the last book. Oh, but here's my other question: was Was the lady like that before she had the Yerk in her head? Oh man, I'm so interested. Like, what happens when you get a yerk in your head after a long period of time, and then and then and then they take the yerk out and it's gone? Because that's never happened before, right? Well, not that we know of, but what if she was crazy before the yerk went into her head? What's the yeah. yerk thinking then? Right. I mean, the yerk is like they're coming into Earth, and everything they learn is from infesting a host. So if the host is crazy, what the fuck does the yerk think is happening? Oh man. Oh, can Yerk see degenerative brain diseases? Holy shit. Sorry. (laughs) You're looking at me like I just said something offensive. I'm sorry. Not an offensive. That's just an intriguing idea. Right? Because you could... I mean, the the whole thing is they wrap around the brain and go into every crevice. So, theoretically, if there's some, like, smoothing of the brain folds or something like that, they would... Could they repair that? But just going back then, I'd be inclined to think that the Yerk, even as long as it's had... A host before the human that's mm-hmm. crazy it could still control and silence the the human brain like other yurks do it just has to have had that previous experience right it would just have more of a handful and i wonder if i mean that that totally makes sense but what if they go into somebody's brain who it, it is degenerating because of some disease would they still be able to to have full control of it because like People don't always have full control over their bodies when they have those problems, so mm-hmm. how could a yerk have full control? The question is, is whatever impulses they send through the brain, can they bypass the usual pathways and just control those pathways directly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Because if the inf- for most degenerative uh, things, the pathways themselves are damaged. Mm-hmm. If the yerk can bypass it, then sure, they can do whatever they want. Almost easier than a than a normal human, because there's no way for the human to fight against it. Right. Oh man, can we write a Science of Animorphs book? <laughs> we could give it a shot. <laughs> like, I'm talking like hard science. Like all these like edge cases, like what would happen? Like shit they don't necessarily explore in the book. Right. Yeah. Oh man. We could try. I mean, some of the science is just like once you start to like tear it apart, it doesn't make any sense. But like, I, I stuff like this like intrigues me because it's like what happens when they do run into this case of you know xyz because we find out um at certain points in the book there's always uh without spoiling anything there are um different like medical maladies that don't mesh with the technology all the time so like there are like these mm-hmm. hiccups in tech or with like yerks and that sort of stuff and 
it's just interesting to see the exceptions, and I think it would be really cool to, like, explore some of that. All right. Well, we'll move on. Look out for our next podcast, The Science of Animals. <laughs> <laughs> How many goddamn side podcasts do we have at this point? Well, at least one per episode we've recorded, mm-hmm. and there was an episode where we rapid fire throughout, like, six. Yeah. So, like, I don't know, 14? And not to derail us further. Please do. But here's another question. Could the Yerk of Starving made the woman insane? Mm-hmm. Because that's supposed to be I a think pretty so. dramatic yeah. experience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and if the Yerk was hooked... So, like, the Yerk's hooked into different areas of the brain... If it damaged those areas. Yeah, like as it pulled out, away. So and, yeah. Shit. It could be causing the well, brain okay, but, damage. But, but, but um, the one in Jake's head that fell out of his ear, or does it have to be like a prolonged exposure? I mean, it could just be it was it was hooked in differently. Because you got to imagine a Yerk has a different style, like right or left-handed, of hooking into people's brains. Like each um. one has to do it a little differently. Mm-hmm. So what if they just hooked in differently and it pulled out, like, damaged part of the brain as it came out to crawl out of the ear and disintegrate? Oh! Or maybe it didn't crawl out in that disintegration. Yeah, right? maybe it's still in her head. Oh! Maybe the extra pressure just sitting there is what's causing this. Yeah, because there's a bunch of dust, like, surrounding her brain that's yep. not going to lead to anything good. I may not know much about medicine. <laughs> <laughs> But wouldn't the Yerk... Okay, but if the Yerks knew they could do damage to the humans by disintegrating inside the head instead of crawling out to, d- to dissolve, why didn't the Yerk do that to Jake to, like, fuck his head up? Maybe... Maybe they didn't know. Yeah, maybe they didn't know, or he was so concentrated on, like, just escaping and getting out. Because you gotta imagine, they're they're not coherent at that stage. Like, when we saw the Yerk in Jake's head, it was kind of very confused and spacey and it lost control gained control so it could be instinct to crawl out but what if for some reason they couldn't so like in jake's case the instinct to leave his brain took over because they're they're coming out in to try and suck up any condrona they can like Mm. i would imagine that would be what was built in as they started taking host bodies when they're dying of condrona starvation the instinct is to leave to be able to get any little bit they can. And of course, on Earth, there is none, so he died. But If that instinct just doesn't activate. Right. Or, or they have the opposite reaction. Yeah. Whoa. Diggity. Interesting. Shit. That's bad. <laughs> anyway, the woman captures Rachel and throws her in the basement. Yes, she did. And that's the end of Rachel's perspective. Okay. okay. So, um, we're off to Jake. And Jake is trying to find Rachel. So they meet up with Tobias in the woods, and the plan is that Axe is coming over to meet them, and they're going to morph to Wolf to smell Rachel's shirt and try to track her down. Um, As they start morphing, the cloud appears. Oh, and real quick? Yes. Jake was morphing a wolf, and they mentioned that his knees changed direction again. Damn it, not again! I I flew into a tiny rage. That's all I'll say about that. Okay, well, I have um, another mention later in the book that will make you opposite of Fly Into a Rage. Excellent. It's again about Tobias, so. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so, Rachel's kind of learning about herself, and the first thing she learns is she has a temper. Because, of course, the first thing that comes back with Rachel in any situation is the rage. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she's screaming to let her out, and then she starts having, like, flashes of her memory, and she doesn't 
know what to make of it, but... Oh, yeah, anger, I remember that. Rage, right, rage. I was sad, so I was mad. I was also hungry, so I was mad. (laughs) Yeah. Every emotion translates into rage eventually. Yeah, exactly. This is why I say I relate to Rachel so much. Because I'm I'm just mad about everything. Uh, So anyways, she's trying to, um, to sort out what's going on. And that's when she realizes that the crazy lady has set the shack on fire over top of her. Is that what happened? Like the lady did it? I was very confused. I was very confused about why the shack was suddenly on fire. Oh, the crazy lady trying to kill her. The yerk slash maybe controller, but we're not sure. Okay. Yeah, so she sets it on fire and Rachel's like shocked by how fast it starts going up in flames. And entirely out of instinct, she starts morphing to grizzly bear. Because when you're angry, and when you're scared, bear. Rage. Rage bear. <laughs> I would do it. I mean, if I'm going to fight a fire as any animal, I, I'm, grizzly's a pretty good choice, I think. I mean, <laughs> out of the arsenal that she has, I think a grizzly is a pretty good choice. Yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to think of, like, another useful morph. She could turn into a shrew again Anything and then burrow takes. out. Would she be able to burrow fast enough? I don't know. Depends. A shrew probably not, but like a... If she has like if she was to get like a batch or a wolverine, sure. Oh shit, if she had a that... wolverine, she'd be out of here no problem. Oh my god. That is also a rage filled animal. Oh, that would be the best Rachel morph. That would be oh, man. just to have Marco throw a uh, <laughs> angry wolverine. <laughs> oh god. This is like we talked in one episode about how um having a morph that could be like the fastball special. I won't bother explaining that to you because you already know what that is. <laughs> so uh, we, our solution was you had to morph a female moose and a baby moose and have them attack the baby moose because it would turn them, like, mother would turn into, a, like, a rage-filled monster moose. And that was the <laughs> Animorphs version of the fastball special. Marco says uh, something about blah, 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 morphing wolves. They keep morphing because Jake says it's better to face this tornado as wolves. So they take off running into the woods at top speed, and this thing is just behind them, shredding trees, like, it's not even slowing this thing down. I mean, it is minutely, but not really. Um, so they turn towards the thicker forest, because they're like, anything we can possibly do to, to get this thing off of our asses. And Tobias says that's fine for a little while, but there's a meadow up ahead, and they realize they're fucked. Um, Marco notices that there's a smell of smoke and fire, and he thinks he faintly hears humans screaming, and that's when the beast turns away. And end Marco's scene. Um, but not end Rachel's scene. Rachel busts out of the shack as a grizzly bear, and then suddenly the dust creature is descending upon her right after she gets out of the fire. And then Axe runs up, asking if she's Rachel. And she's like, is that my name? Who is this? What is this? Because <laughs> she doesn't have any recollection of what Axe is. And, you know, when a deer creature runs up on you in the middle of the woods, it's, you Although, know. to be fair, she doesn't know he's not from Earth, though. She does, although she does quickly say alien. Ah, yes, he is an alien. Like, so she kind of remembers. She kind of remembers, yeah. She remembers after he runs up on her. But yeah, she doesn't have any way of originally knowing that he's not from Earth. And then she doesn't know if she's Rachel, so she can't answer him. She's like, I don't fucking know. Um, it's a mother thought speaking grizzly. It could be. I mean, she doesn't know that grizzlies don't thought speak, right? Possibly. This is very confusing. <laughs> this book confuses me. Well, so, so she's a thought-speaking grizzly bear, which could be normal, might not be. Rachel's not really sure. She's not really sure she's Rachel, so who really knows? Um, and then the dust creature attacks her, 
And Axe starts narrating. How do you guys feel about this being Axe's first narration in an Animorphs book? I like that he called a sense of humor an affliction. <laughs> I wrote that down too. <laughs> I fuck it. Like, for, for whatever I felt about this book, it, it had some of the funniest fucking lines of any Animorphs <laughs> book I have read so far. Like, there's some brilliant fucking humor in this shit. This Sorry. book has one of the most famous Animorphs lines of all time. Oh, really? I'll call it out when we get to it. We're not there Excellent. yet. But yeah, it has, like, it's the one that, like, I'll see constant posts, like, even, like, I knew it, but on the Animorphs Facebook group, there's constant posts of people being like, whenever I'm having a bad day, I think of this line and it makes me laugh. Good. That's how I feel. How do you feel, Jeremiah? I mean, I kind of wanted to see his first narration be book, but... Yeah. It was it was an introduction. Yeah. I mean, we don't but, have to wait long. We don't. Yeah, it was like, don't. next book, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, baby X. <laughs> but I, I too, wanted to see a full book, because... It, I like Axe's perspective. I love Axe's perspective. It's, it's weird, it's awkward, it's, it's, it's... It feels real. Yeah, and it questions, like, the Everything. things that we take for granted in the other characters, and then Axe is, like, asking about it, and it's just... It, it cracks me up. I love his, his obsession with food and with language. Oh, yeah. I love that so much. It's not like he doesn't hear these sounds in his head. It's just feeling them and, yeah. And, like, we talked in depth uh, last last episode about how him, like, eating cigarette butts is such, like, it's, it's so funny, but it's, like, Casey's like, oh, I didn't think he'd like coffee because kids don't generally like coffee. It's like, no, 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 <laughs> he eats cardboard and shit. Like, he eats... <laughs> Things he should not eat <laughs> constantly. Oh. I mean, I really, I really, I do, like you said, I like Axe's perspective. It probably worked as a really good teaser to make you want to buy the next book. Yeah. <coughs> Best character. <coughs> <laughs> well, I guess we don't know what Casey's feelings are on this. Uh, well, I haven't finished the series yet, so take take That's what true. I have to say with a That's grain true. of salt. That's true, you haven't even read a full Axe book yet. What are you yeah. saying? I, like, <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll continue on here. So, um, X sees uh, Rachel getting attacked by this tornado monster, and he sees the smoke and fire, and then he kind of non-viscerally narrates her trying to, like, bat at this tornado thing with her bear paws, and them just grinding her arms down to bloody pulpy stumps. (laughs) And it's, like, just said casually. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why are we laughing? This is horrifying. That's the reaction I have every book. <laughs> well, like Marco says, if, if, you're, you can, if you can't uh, laugh, you have to cry. Yeah. 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 I thought you were going to say if you can't beat them, join them, but that's not what Marco <laughs> says. <laughs> not, no. Uh, well, alright, so uh, Axe sees that, and the creature's trying to lift her when Axe starts a morph to try and like join in and help her. And that's when the beast drops Rachel, turns to Axe, and Axe figures out this beast is attracted to morphing, and he lets himself be taken away. Cut to Jake. This book bounces around a lot. I, I'm finding it hard to like follow the thread even reading or like recapping it here. Yeah, she, it does bounce too much. Yeah. Especially, there's some that are just like two pages even of that character's mm-hmm. perspective. It's like, what do you even say about that? Oh, we visit them. That's it. Like, Okay. Oh, well, moving on. <laughs> um, Jake tries to figure out what's what's 
happen to everybody. Um, they kind of figure out that Rachel was there and she turned into a bear and now she's got bloody stumps and they figure out Axe was there. Um, they realize that Axe was taken and that he might be dead. And they see that Rachel has walked to a river with no front legs, just dripping blood the whole way. And then she disappears. So Jake's trying to figure out how to keep everybody else alive and realizing that Axe and Rachel might both be dead. Yay! Yeah, Jake spends this entire book just thinking people are dead. Pretty much. Yeah. I think everyone except Cassie. I don't think he ever thinks Cassie's dead. Well, that's because he sent her off to the mall to look for Rachel and didn't let her join in the fight. And she has feelings about this. Yes, she does. <laughs> that she absolutely does. And so she puts herself into danger when she spots Chapman by turning into a fly at the mall. Fly on, a yep. fly on the wall in the mall. <laughs> Boom. Go fuck yourself. But she lands on his collar. Rhyme that, Casey. <laughs> You won't. You're not doing it. (laughs) Something about a dollar landing on the car. No, I can't. I'm dead. I think your rap career is falling apart before our eyes. (laughs) I'm tipsy. That's one way to make Chapman holler. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Well. (laughs) Okay. Well, we're not going to beat that. <laughs> Mom spaghetti. Moving <laughs> uh, uh, Anyways, <laughs> so while Cassie's in this bookstore following Chapman around in his kala. Um, following the... No. <laughs> I appreciated the attempt. <laughs> Um, Chapman basically discloses the entire plan to Cassie, like, through the guise of talking to other controllers. Conveniently. Conveniently. Like, let's just talk about this in a public space. Right? Right. Yeah, that's what I was like, why are you guys- spies might be in your vicinity. Yeah. Especially, like, there's some people who, like, sit eating dinner at their table or whatever, and then they look to the person that they're with, and they're like, man, did you hear what those, those people over there said? Like, some people just, like, naturally eavesdrop. So, like, why would you even do that, you stupid yerk motherfuckers? I am one of those people. Like, that's one of my favorite things to do, is, like, to go to a bar and just watch people. (laughs) And eavesdrop. Stupid yerks. Dumb. You can learn interesting things about people's lives that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Terrible things that you can never forget. Yeah. (laughs) Terrible, terrible, horrible things. It's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, so that happens. Um, And then after Cassie is told all of these things by Chapman talking to other controllers in an open public space, um, we cut back to Axe, who's talking about honor once again. Honor! (laughs) You made that joke last time, Casey! I did! I love it! (laughs) Alright, keep making it. I think of it every time. Okay, good. Do it every time. I dare you. He'll bring honor to us all. So Axe is Mulan is what we're saying? Possibly. Pretty much. Yeah. Alright. Both are pretending to be something they're not. It's true. That is true. And Axe did just kind of sneak into this war even though nobody really wanted him there because he was a child. I'm working really hard to make this Mulan comparison work. Let's see. They're both hiding secrets that could get them killed if it came out. Yeah. It's true. Not gender secrets. So there's different secrets, but... So it's Mulan is because she doesn't have anything between her legs and <laughs> acts because his brother aliens the ability to morph 
Yep. And they both turn into great warriors, even though at first they faltered horribly. Mm -hmm. They're both great, and I love them. Does this make Jake Shang? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this makes Jake Mushu. (laughs) That's even worse! (laughs) Oh, God. You're a really useless leader. You know what? This is is the second time we've compared Animorphs to a Disney movie. What was the first one? Emperor's New Groove. Remember? Oh, yeah! Yeah! I was thinking the time we compared it to um, Avatar and then failed miserably and just said, never mind, this won't work. Yeah, we we gave up on that one. Yeah. It's fine. They both say honor. They're both very concerned (laughs) about honor. Anyway. Axe got captured. Poor baby. Again. He did, yeah. <laughs> Again. Um, and then that's when Visor 3, our our public enemy number one, um, has come back in and monologued again because we can't go through a book without a good Visor 3 monologue. It's freaking true. It is true. Um, so he, he tells him that the Valik means pet in the Yurk language, and he tells him that he got him from Jupiter? Saturn! So, um... He gets him from wherever, and <laughs> one of those planets. That, that, one yeah. of them planets, like you know. I mean, I he feel like I should he, know them. He didn't get it from Pluto, that's for sure. That's not a planet, Casey. Yeah, it was back then in the nineties, <laughs> before Neil deGrasse Tyson put his foot down and said, "This is not a planet anymore." Was that his fault? Well, Neil, what the fuck? <laughs> you ruined, you ruined Magic School Bus for me. How dare you? That's really anyway. sad. Yeah. Anyway, he's monologuing about his pet, and he explains how it feeds off morphing energy, and then they trained it to feed off the ship's energy, and that's why it captures them and not kills them. And and he says that he programmed it. I'm like, how did you program it? I mean, how do you program a dog? Like, like conditioning is one thing, but like, you program it, it makes it sound like you stuck a cord in its face and like typed a bunch of shit. No, but I think I, I think he conditioned it. He just used the word program because they're technologically advanced. Evil. Yeah, it's more evil. <laughs> that's a better way. <laughs> it's more in the area of mind wipe and, and, and controlling something rather than just training. Yeah, it's yeah. more cold. Training implies they have a choice about what they do. Sure. And they get treats. Right. Well, I mean, but training can get pretty cruel. Like, you whip something. Like, negative reinforcement, right? Well, yeah, I mean, if you want to, like, use the obvious example, the Tennessee walking horses, where they put acid in their feet, so they have to walk all fuck? stupid. What the fuck? Sorry, should I not have gone wow. there? I'm just, I'm, I'm outraged. Yeah, they, they'll saran wrap acid to their feet and stuff, and then when they lay down in the stalls, the guys run in and whip them, so they have to stand up in the acid. Yep. I hate people. Me too. Of the three of us on this podcast, Casey and I are the ones who should not be singing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So anyways, um, yeah, he's monologuing about this creature and how he programmed it. I think it's conditioning. I I think he just said programming because he is evil. Although there is... Who knows? You're probably right. I I think so, because it doesn't, like, say... It's like we trained it to eat this energy. And they trained, They mentioned a couple of times in the book they trained it like a dog who has to go back to a master that will only feed it like this, what what it wants. And blah, blah. So right. I think it was trained, not programmed. Although it's, I'm not erasing that possibility. They have the technology. They, they left it ambiguous about yeah. how they did it. Exactly. Anyway, Visser 3 is a dick. Yep. Oh, yeah. The end. Yes, he is. Quite possibly the least dickish of his moves right here. 
Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> Especially in this book. Like, he does, like, I can think of three other things off the top of my head that he does that are major dick moves. Mm. Anyways. <laughs> um, so Axe is back to struggling with himself over not killing Visor 3 right then and there because of honor. Honor. Uh, <laughs> and then we cut back to Cassie, where Cassie pulls off the idiotic stunt with Chapman and finds out all that shit, and then he mentions that 10% of the police force are controllers. Yay, stats. Yay. And that's all that we check in with Cassie for. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And we find out that they're rationing Kendrona rays because of the shenanigans of the last book. Yes. Yeah. So oh, I think we can yes. assume that's why that lady's crazy. Oh, yeah. Tying it back in. Tying and in. then we cut back to Rachel, and we've once again jumped back in time in the book because Rachel... Yeah when we check in with her, is stumbling towards the river as a bear with bloody stump arms. So in my head, we've already moved, like, well beyond this, but in reality, we're back to that in the book. See, that's what pissed me off about this format, is, like, I don't care if, like, some information is redundant, like, back-to-back chapters, like, uh-huh. like this thing happened and then this thing happened again with another character's perspective. I don't care so much about that. It's going back in time that fucks me up. Yeah, I'm sorry. Why are you apologizing for that? It's true. I, I, I'm apologizing for all the swearing I'm doing. Also, sorry, Jeremiah, I interrupted you. No, no. I'm just agreeing. That as much as I do like this storytelling style, that is an issue. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think this is a spoiler, um, per se. I'm going to toe the line here and say that I think that this style of writing with the different narrators is used much better in other Animorphs books. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. I think this feels like it was an experiment for her, mm-hmm. and that she learned what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay, I can forgive that, for sure. And I can even see by the end of this book, it gets better. So yeah. it's like, by the time we get to, like, the next time they use this this particular writing style, it's much more effective. And I think the problem with this format lies is that they're all, like, in completely separate areas. Like, once they all, like, got back together in the same area at the end... Like, everything moved much quicker, so... Yeah, I although I can still forgive the separate area thing if it's because the Valique is jumping from one character to the yeah. other, because that still threaded enough mm-hmm. of the story together for me that I accepted it. And honestly, like, who am I to talk? It must be hard to do, to write, like, from six characters' perspectives and try to tie the story all together. So, like, good job, Kay Applegate, for doing that. Good job. And like we've talked about before, like... Not only does she write from the six characters' perspective, it's so different that you actually get that feeling that it's mm-hmm. different characters, which is an incredible, like, skill set oh, yeah. right there. So, all right, I'll quit bitching and get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Marco and the team, or what's left of it, we're from Marco's perspective now, they're in the barn discussing the Valik. Uh, they're all really upset at each other, and in general, especially Tobias, who... Um, He's kind of screaming about how he didn't see anything, he didn't see anything, and Jake's like, I'm not accusing you, I'm just, like, trying to figure this shit out. And uh, Marco um, yells at Tobias, because they're talking about how it's a predator, and Marco says something like, well, ask Tobias, he would know. And it this is, he mentions he wasn't trying to get aggressive at Tobias or get angry at Tobias, and I liked that interaction after I've spent the last, like, fucking seven books talking about how much I hate how Marco treats Tobias, so. <laughs> I just, I'm calling that out because I've been bitching about that for fucking 14 hours straight now. 
Um, and then Tobias, instead of getting angry, answers that movement, movement is the key. When he's hunting prey or when the hawk is hunting prey, um, when the mouse moves, if it freezes and another mouse moves, to his hawk mind, it's the same mouse. It doesn't matter. And that's when Cassie puts it all together. It's hunting morphing. Morphing is what it goes after. So when one of them's morphing and then the, it st- they stop, the other one starts, it goes after the one that's actively morphing. And she puts it all together. They have a moment where Marco goes, so as long as we're not morphing, we're safe. And they say, so Marco, what you're saying is you don't ever want to morph again. And Marco has this moment where he's like, well, that's not what I'm saying. If Rachel were here, she'd say we'd, we'd vote to kick your butt. And so since she's not here, I'm going to say it for her. And they're like, well, what would Marco say? And then he goes, Marco would make a really funny comment and then agree with the kick the butt thing. <laughs> and we talked last book about how much Marco seems to rely on Rachel for guidance when they're going to these things. Like, mm-hmm. he really looks to her for that, like, we have to go kick yeah. butt attitude. Mm-hmm. So it's like he's relying on her in absentia. Damn, pulling out the Latin. I learned that word from The Walking Dead after show. (laughs) Sorry, just gonna throw that factoid out. That's cool. We're all about factoids here on Animorphs Anonymous. (laughs) The Animorphs Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, the Animorphs Podcast. Uh, So anyways, that's that's what happens. So um, the team has basically agreed to fight. Yay, Yay. because we always do. Um, And it cuts to Rachel, and Rachel's reached a suburb now and she's looking for a place to crash she contemplates going up to a stranger's house and just knocking on their door saying i don't know who i am or where i am can i please sleep on your couch but she knows something's hunting her and she has to be careful so she decides instead to break into what looks to be an empty house so she drinks from the garden hose she busts in through a window um she finds a box of vanilla wafers on the counter so she scarfs those down and passes the fuck out same yeah me (laughs) Um, and after she passes out, she starts having nightmares about the ant book. <laughs> I like how you call it the ant book. <laughs> it is It is the ant book. Yeah, it's totally fair. That's a legit thing. Um, and then like that's, I, that's permanent scarring stuff right there. Oh, uh, that yeah. was fucked up. Lo- losing fucked your forearms, up. like, eh, yeah, but this. Yeah. She didn't get bitten in half as a bear. Not good. Um, so she has that nightmare, and then she vaguely remembers Cassie. She starts to remember the other animorphs, but doesn't know who they are. Uh, but then she has, like, a clear moment of remembering Tobias, so. Aww. Boyfriend. <laughs> Casey, boyfriend. Casey, I thought you weren't shipping anybody. <laughs> look, I'm, look, it's canon. It's canon, basically. It's not, like, a ship. But your stand on this is that they're 12 and they can't have any relations that aren't completely I, I, didn't, I never said that. I'm just saying, like, I don't, like. <laughs> well, they go on bird dates, which is fine and innocuous, but, like. I don't know what you want me to say to this to, at this juncture. I just want you to tell me your emotions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have none. And, I how, and how does that make you feel? <laughs> oh no! You know what? We already had Psych Hour with me on the grocery bullshit. <laughs> that's that's true. We did. <laughs> I just want right. you to know, though, that this is a safe animorph space. <laughs> <laughs> I'll move on. <laughs> Um, so the police wake Rachel up, and her reaction is to go elephant. As one does. I yeah. think that is reasonable. It's totally scared reasonable. and the house is on fire. Bear. Mm-hmm. Police. Mm, elephant. All right. Yeah. What would you do in, like, a masked robbery situation? Kangaroo with guns. <laughs> I was thinking more like weasel, rat, 
crazy. Okay. Okay. Weasels are vicious. What about a car accident? <laughs> um, something that can roll. Like armadillo. Like a hedgehog? Oh, sure. Armadillo? Oh, yeah. an armadillo. Because you got armor, so like you bust out of the car, front of the window, and then you morph real fast, and then you hit the ground rolling, and you're fine. What if it's like a raccoon? Because raccoons do that thing where they like tuck over and like roll around the kitchen floor picking up food. Panda bear? Ooh, Aww. panda bear. Pandas are really good at rolling. And everybody would save your life because you're highly endangered. <laughs> Well, that's because you eat, like, one thing and you only mate, like, once every ten years because you're a picky fuck. That sounds like the perfect lifestyle to me. (laughs) 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 What's that one thing you're eating is pizza. Cheesecake. Cheesecake, constantly. (laughs) You guys can only be one kind of cheesecake. That's fair. I'll pick one. Wait, okay, that's Alex's answer. Jeremiah, if you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Would, would it be pizza? It'd probably be toss-up between pizza and tacos. Oh, tacos. Right. But, like, you can only have one type. Right. Right. One type. Probably tacos would be the smarter bet. Yeah, because those are, like, even though it's only the same ingredients, you can, like, kind of adjust it so it's a little different. Oh. They also have a little bit of variety. Yeah. I'd change it for meats. No, you can't change up the meats. You can just change up the amounts. Oh. Like, like, like you get little mini tacos for, for breakfast and then bigger tacos for dinner. Or more meat for dinner, more cheese for breakfast or something like that. Yeah. I would just like a cheese taco. Just cheese. <laughs> That's called a quesadilla. <laughs> oh, well, shit, you're right. Mexican food's the way to go because it's the same fucking thing, just it prepared is- slightly differently. <laughs> yeah! God it's- damn it, I've been stupid choosing cheesecake <laughs> when I could have had all Mexican food. <laughs> oh that was very God. short-sighted of me. Oh, Jesus Christ. Alright, Casey, what would be your one food? I want to say avocados. Avocados go bad in like 10 seconds, so that would be a bad thing. What is, what? What is-, what is that? The uh, avocado forgot... <laughs> oh god drunk avocados avocados oh i you're saying it differently i get it i don't Sorry. have your cool uh, accent no. it's fine this is fine. like the other day when i asked you what like huff's fisk was and you were like <laughs> oh ludafisk <laughs> yeah no, no, no. yeah so you asked me what ludafisk was and i i replied a norwegian rapper yeah and i did not know what i i just accepted it Wait, so do you actually not know what lutefisk is? I have no idea. It's like it's like nasty pickled fish. It's like a Norwegian delicacy. It's it's which, really spoiled pickled yeah, it's, fish. It's okay. Really fucking disgusting. It's 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 spoiled to the point where it's more jelly than actual fish. I Ew. I reject that part of oh, my it's, heritage. It's disgusting. It's it so is bad. the one food that I have severely regretted my I will try anything once rule of food. Oh damn. Now I know. Anyway, Never don't do tried. it. Whatever that is, don't if it has it. fisk in the title, I don't want it. If you if you've seen uh, uh, Frozen with with the in the in the shop, he gives her a jar that's filled with like fishettes. Oh yeah, that's that's what he's giving her. This is Thanks, the one Disney. time I haven't regretted Frozen. <laughs> you now I know. Big summer rollout. <laughs> oh, we've God. gone way off track, y'all. Okay, sorry. Pandas will do that. Yeah, pandas, they took us off. God, off damn way. pandas. We're somewhere else now. Yeah. So, um, the meeting breaks up in the barn, and Jake and Cassie and Marco are very upset, 
And Jake, from his perspective, is specifically upset about the fact that Rachel and Axe are potentially dead. And then, by crazy random happenstance, a cloud passes over the moon in front of them, and they realize somebody's morphing nearby. So one of them's alive, and that's when they they come up with the keep-away plan of they just keep morphing and moving and having the creature kind of have to follow them around. And then they, and in parentheses I wrote, mostly Marco, decides to steal Cassie's dad's truck. God damn it, Marco. Thus begins one of the most memorable sequences in Animorphs. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I wondered if all of the indications up to led up to this moment, all the indications of the past Marco driving things, jokes. Absolutely. And every time I've said to you something about Marco driving, this it's, is exactly what I meant. <laughs> good. Uh, oh my God. It's, I mean, it's not the only instance of him driving. He does the golf cart sequence in book mm-hmm. one, so. Yeah, but it's like a precursor to this bullshit. Yeah, it's just one of the best. It's so funny. So um, we cut back to Rachel before we get to the fantastic sequence. And uh, Rachel has turned into an elephant and she decides to step outside through the front wall. And uh, then the Valique comes barreling in through the back wall. And that's what causes her to just panic, run through the front wall, runs right past the police officers who are completely stunned. And then the Valique is in tow right behind her. So she's running down the street, like trying to get away as fast as she can. And the police start shooting at her or the creature. She's not sure. She also doesn't care. Um, And then she says her top speed is 25 miles an hour, which is faster than the fastest human runner. But this is a 90s reference now because Usain Bolt hit 27.8. Take that. So. He can outrun an elephant for a short period of time. A very short period of time. Well, then again, the elephant can't run for that long either, right? No. Yeah. But probably longer than he can. Probably. So because her top speed is only 25 miles per hour, um, she can't outrun this thing. So it gets her. It starts to wrap its like weird dusty talon rope vines around her and pick her up. And it gets her about a foot off the ground and then pops back down. She is yeah. too heavy. She's too goddamn heavy. Too goddamn big. And then from somewhere in the distance, she hears screeching tires, which she says sounds like possibly the worst driver of all time. Cue <laughs> <laughs> Marco. And Marco is careening around, like almost hitting cars. He says people are flicking him off out the window. Good. He's crashing into things. Um, and then I actually wrote the quote down because this is the most favorite Animorph quote of all time. <laughs> and it's, do you hate trash cans? Jake asked. Is that your problem? Do you just hate trash cans? <laughs> and that, then Marco hits four in a row. So yes, he does. <laughs> so Marco's, uh, he after he hits multiple trash cans and presumably mailboxes, he comes over a curb, crashes through the street a bit, and he winds up right by where Rachel is. And they see the creature trying to lift her up and he just can't do it. So he drops her down and she breaks part of the asphalt. And uh, that's Jake starts morphing to Tiger, which distracts it. So they're splitting up, and Cassie's like, I'm going to Rachel. You guys get out of here. So Jake gets into the back of the pickup truck with Marco driving, and Cassie goes to Rachel. And that's when we cut to Jake's perspective. So he's in the back of the pickup truck. They're careening down the highway, and he's morphing as slow as he possibly can to try and draw this thing with them. And Marco's driving like an idiot. And they have another great conversation about this video game that they play where Marco's like, he's like, oh, I'm, I, I'm coming up to the tunnel. And Jake goes, you mean the part where you always crash and burn? So even in video games, he's not a good driver. God. <laughs> That's how he got this gig. He's like, oh, I do this in video games all the time. It's fine. 
Everybody knows that driving a real car and driving in video games is exactly the same experience. It is. That's how I learned to drive. Grand Theft Auto. So that's where Marco learned to drive. And Marco's like driving like an idiot, cutting people off. They're swearing at him. Jake says that they're yelling like comments about how to drive out the window. But like we can assume that they're just yelling profanities at these idiot kids. And then one guy's like, where'd you learn to drive in Jersey? <laughs> I was like, what a sick bird. Damn, Katie Damn. Applegate. She Damn. has some rage of Jersey. You know what? Everyone <laughs> has rage about Jersey except people from Jersey. That's what I learned. No, no, even some people from Jersey. Okay. They're, they're yeah. somewhat self-aware. Jersey is like the one place you don't want to ever be from. I'm sorry, audience. If anyone's from Jersey. <laughs> And we'll look up those like stats Jersey. afterwards, and that will dictate how much we edit this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, there's another podcast I, I listen to with a because I don't only listen to our podcast. Imagine mm. that, um, <laughs> and he's from Jersey, and he was talking about how like he lives in California now, but he went back to Jersey, and he goes within ten minutes of driving in Jersey. I was in a full blown rage. <laughs> he's like, I don't even. He's like, nobody even did anything. I was just instantly in a rage, and I'm like, all right, so it's the place. Um, Marco, while careening down the highway, says we're gonna go off roading. Jake goes no, and so they go off roading. <laughs> and <laughs> as always happens with Marco driving, um, and he starts slamming into trees. And this sequence basically just makes it sound like he's ping pong balling off of every tree, like like on each side of it, um, slamming into everything. But when, when you're in a truck and you hit something, sometimes you stop. Not Marco. Not if they're young so, so, like... Saplings? Or just small Yeah, trees. either that or he's just, like, grazing them gently enough so that he doesn't actually lose... So he's not hitting it full on. He's, he's, he's kind of side-swiping each and every tree. He's gently caressing the trees with the truck. <laughs> the impression go. I was getting was that he's slamming full on into trees and then be like, oh shit, I slammed into a tree, back up a little bit. And then fucking, <laughs> like, Top Gear style... And it's like, you would get nowhere. You would get absolutely nowhere. That, that sounds like it would be a scene out of Psych or something. Yes, it does, actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I think he's just hitting the side of the truck as he's going through there. Like, he's not quite clearing oh, the side mirrors and things, but, like, he's not full-on frontward slamming <laughs> into the tree. Like, the tree might be shifting the truck to the side, but it's swerving. We're going to have to add this to our list of experiments to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we could add Mythbusters. I feel like you need to be a really skillful driver to only, like, graze a side of a tree. Or really, really bad at driving through the open areas of the tree. So, um, after Jake has enough of the shit of slamming into the trees, um, Jake says to Marco, morph in five minutes, and then Marco basically, it says Jake, like, bails out of the truck, but it sounds like Marco just bounced into something and Jake tumbled out. It just happened to be kind of when he wanted to go. And then Jake starts leading the Velika on a little bit of a chase where he's jumping through the trees, climbing. And there's one scene where it was so epic we needed to recount it twice, where the Velik starts eating the tree under him as he's climbing up the tree, and then he leaps into space. And that's it. That's the end of Jake. He's dead. He got um, <laughs> Mufasa'd by the Velik. He got murder. He got murder-faced. All right, so we're skipping back to Rachel, and uh, her memory's coming back in wait. flashes. Did I hear a wait? Is it, isn't there an Axe chapter somewhere in here? It's right after Rachel, yes. Oh, god damn. We're, okay, we're just about there. I wrote them all down as the people who's narrating. Okay. But yeah, so, so Rachel's memory's coming back in flashes. She remembers the accident, um, and then Cassie's, like, approaching her, and she has a weird 
kind of moment with Cassie where she's like, who am I? Who are you? What are, like, what are the, and Cassie says Animorphs, which Rachel had remembered in an earlier flashback. And so she kind of thinks she can trust Cassie. And Cassie says, we've been friends for years. And Rachel has a moment of, do I trust her or not? And then decides to trust her. And that's when we skip to Axe. Good. Axe is in a box. Same. He's been locked inside a heart-shaped box for a week. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought it was a cube, but I've been wrong before. <laughs> so Axe is in a heart-shaped box that Visor 3 put him in. Nirvana. <laughs> because he loves him. <laughs> and then he uh, opens one side of the box with this amazing metal that Axe, I think, tells us about in this scene, where how he can, like, by rearranging the molecules, open one side and make it, like, see through, but it's still in the box. Um, what a dick. Visor 3 basically just opened this box and, like, let him see out so that he could gloat. And they have a visual lock on the Valique, and he wants to show Axe his brothers being captured. I wrote Axe also talks about Dishonor, but I'm just going to bypass that because we've already visited that Dishonor thing like four times. We we visited that ad nauseum. We get it. You like the honor. You're on the honor roll. You got it. <laughs> Dishonor on you. <laughs> Dishonor on you. Dishonor on your cow. <laughs> I'm going to get that bumper sticker. I'm going to make that bumper <laughs> the sticker. Honor roll <laughs> My Andalite is an honor roll student. <laughs> I'm doing it. <laughs> It's not even, like, a good, funny bumper sticker. Like, even people that like Animorphs would be like, that's fucking dumb. Like, <laughs> I'm still gonna make it. You should get that, you should get that tattooed on your other bicep. It's <laughs> the last thing I need. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. Maybe on my back. Like, in giant letters. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> moving right along. Um, Visitor 3 starts gloating. And he has, as he does, as he is wont to do as an evil villain. Um, And he has the lock on the Valique, the visual lock, and they see Jake as the tiger on the screen. And Visitor 3, once again, talks about how much he loves cats. So. Right? He's a crazy cat lady. Yes. Yes, he is. (laughs) I fucking love that this is a recurring thing. It's so fucking funny. Well, cats are four-legged harbingers of death, so. Not Casey's. There's only three legs. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. It's true. She's a three-legged harbinger of yes, death. Yes, she is a harbinger of death still. So anyways, he's talking about like, how much he loves like, cats. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh. And then the Valique suddenly turns and disappears, and Visor 3 is like, what the fuck what? just happened? And one of the humans says, I have a speculation. And he, like, whap, hits him in the neck with his blade and, like, holds it there. And he's like, what's your speculation? And fast. And he's like... They're basically playing keep away with the Valique and they're morphing somewhere else to distract him. And um, we we didn't like we knew this could be a possibility, but we didn't know they'd figure it out. Blah, blah, blah. And the guy starts like, getting terrified. He lets him live. Um, but then Visitor 3 says, I need a visual lock on the Valique. And a taxon garbles in his taxon language that is very difficult. So Visitor 3 just slices him from end to end, spews his guts on the deck. But shouldn't we just take a moment to appreciate every time a taxon dies, how like graphic it is? I do appreciate yeah. that. Whether it's like a grocery bag being popped or whatever description is. You know what? Fuck taxons. That's why. It's a very Darth Vader moment. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like when he like forced chokeholds people. Yes. I, is it Darth Vader though or is it more Kylo Ren? I feel like he's a little more Kylo yep. Ren. Who is Kylo Ren actually killed? 
Um, I don't know. He just forced chokes a lot of people. <laughs> Kill Han Solo. Oh, he does. Sorry, yeah, he does kill Han Solo. Shit. My bad. (laughs) You know, that unimportant character. That unimportant (laughs) fucking goddamn hero. (laughs) But like, but like, of of like his own people as as retributive, like, I'm angry at you. That's Vader's thing. He doesn't actually, he destroys stuff, not people. Yeah, he wrecks consoles. Vader kills like every other admiral, but Kylo Ren just cuts up a console or smashes his helmet. He's a fucking man-child. But that's, like, how all serial killers start. Fuck. Oh, shit. But we'll talk more about Kylo Ren on our Star Wars podcast. Right, which we're gonna start now. Don't even get me started on that. Oh, we can record (laughs) that right after and get episode one of that rolling. Oh, God. Okay, so, um... What ends up happening is, after the Taxon is killed, Visitor 3 is kind of in a tizzy... And Axe starts gloating, but Visor 3 says, yeah, I have an Andalite host body. I know you can't keep up this morphing nonsense, so don't even get on your high horse, kid. You Andalite bandalites. Um, and then we cut to Marco, and the only thing of note here is Marco morphs into a gorilla while driving, and the bleak starts chasing him. Yay. That was one of those two-page cutovers that meant nothing. Thank you, Marco. Except the entertaining image of a gorilla now. Driving the truck badly. That is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. With the bumper sticker, my Andalite is an honorable <laughs> student on it. <laughs> uh, so, um, then we cut to Rachel, and Cassie is riding Rachel through the neighborhood. Rachel's an elephant that wasn't dirty. Anyways. You know, I, I've ridden on an elephant's back before. Have you? At the Renaissance Fair. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they used to have elephants. Yeah. Uh, ele- elephants at the Renaissance Fair. Elephants at the Renaissance Fair. Yeah, which is probably not great. Not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, it's probably not great yeah. at all. Yeah. And they'd ship down from Florida every week. Yeah. And, like, as we found in the last book, elephants in captivity aren't always treated very nicely. So don't support that shit, kids. Do you think that what happened was somebody broke into the Renaissance Fair as an elephant and threw the handler on the roof of a tent? I can only hope. Probably. That's the only explanation I can think of. Yeah. So anyways, Rachel's an elephant. Um, Cassie's riding her, um, but with consent, so it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I meant that as the elephant gate. Never mind. I know that. I know that. All that matters. They're 12, Alex. All that matters is they both said yes enthusiastically with their whole bodies. Fuck. Okay. Um, (laughs) They're 12. 12 years old. (laughs) I'm not, okay, so at work we had this lady that told us, <laughs> <laughs> this team building lady, and she started talking to us about the concept of full-bodied yes, which meant, like, you were supposed to be, like, she was, it was very much non-applicable to work, because she wanted you to only take on tasks that you agreed to do with a whole-body yes, so you had no hesitation, and find something you'd say 100% yes to, which is, like, the very opposite of work. So yeah. right, <laughs> she was like, like who would do that? right? She was like, do that. And one of the guys in the room, um, she commented something like, what would this sound like if you took it to your other team members? And one of the guys said back to her, I don't know, but I don't want to have to explain it to the guys in Mexico. That's what I was thinking of when I said a full bodied. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't dirty. Uh huh. It sounds dirty. so dirty. All right. Anyways. Um, that's because we're drinking. Maybe. You know, I wasn't thinking it until you were like, oh, that sounds dirty. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to keep going past this. So Cassie's yeah. explaining to Rachel 
basically the entire war and everything that's happened up to the keep away plan. And uh, basically, she's like, Rachel, you don't you don't need to know all this shit at once. Just like, here's the basics. And Rachel starts remembering Tobias first again. And she's like, oh, yes, the hawk. She just, you know, there's something going on there. I don't know what it is. Them kids. Nope. Them kids are getting along. And then Cassie talks about how she has to morph to be part of this keep away plan. And Rachel says, morph. What, like on me and it sounds so fucking dirty it wasn't this dirty some shit it's like morph on, on my back because then the valik can't lift us away because i'm too heavy and so cassie starts going squirrel and hoping that they can't be separated by this thing because I mean, that went really well last time you morphed into a squirrel <laughs> i don't think there's been one good squirrel morph ever for cassie it always goes no why squirrely no why i'm nuts <laughs> Well, that situation just got a little hairy. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> I'm just gonna no. shake my head slowly. <laughs> we cut to Marco, who is still driving the truck as a gorilla. Um, bug fighters descend upon him and start shooting. The bleak is behind him. Bug fighters in front of him. They shoot the truck, and he flips it and goes tumbling out at over 70 miles an hour into a ditch. And then the bleak goes away. And that's he's dead. That's it. He's he's dead. And that's how the book ends. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a gorilla, so it's fine. His gorillas are totally used to taking tumbles at 70 miles an hour. Yep. Yeah, because their armor class is much higher as a gorilla than a person. They rolled higher. I don't know how to make this D&D reference to you. <laughs> they, yeah. I'm doing my best. I, I understood. They just have damage reduction. He seems fine. Yeah. At the end of the day. He's fine. He seems okay. He's fine. <laughs> it's, it's all fine. Everything's fine. He didn't lose his forearms in this one, so he's good. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He did not have those that's eaten true. off yet. Yes. So, Cassie goes squirrel, which attracts the Valique as expected, but it also attracted the bug fighters, which shoot Rachel down to the ground in some sort of weird elephant hunting montage. And they somehow wind up with, like, near Marco in a pile, and the Valique and the bug fighters are overhead, and it, it just seems very hopeless at this point. So, um, then we cut back to Axe. And this scene is being broadcast to him, and Visitor 3 is, like, gloating again about how my prize is about to be delivered. And then one of the controllers says, hey, why don't we wait for the humans to arrive on the scene, because all we have are Taxon and hork and it'll be a little less conspicuous if we have people there, too, rounding up the Bandalites. And uh, so he agrees, and he's like, I'm going to retire to my quarters. Um, and it's at this point <laughs> that Axe gets bitten by a flea, and it hatches a plan. So Axe morphs to a flea. And waits. And when Visitor 3 goes and uh, makes the side of his box clear again, he sees that Axe isn't in there anymore. And so he's like, fools, where has he gone? What is happening? And someone opens the cage and Visitor 3 gets even more enraged. And he's like, no, close it. But it's far too late. Axe has jumped out and onto something. And then Visitor 3 kills that something. And we cut back to Marco. So Axe is Excellent free. Excellent foreshadowing. Let's take a moment to appreciate the utter incompetence. Of this moment. Yeah. Like you have, yeah. You have a, one of the bandits stuck in a inescapable prison, however exactly it works, and then you open the door. You open the goddamn door. I was just like... You know how the technology works. Yeah. This is stormtrooper level incompetence. The hork can't shoot shit. But the foreshadowing is really good with the fleas earlier on when Axe had fleas. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. That was really good. Good shit. Thanks, K. Applegate. 
for that excellent foreshadowing. I'm glad that he didn't get his dose of frontline before this whole thing went down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's just retcon that entire conversation. <laughs> well, we don't need to retcon it. <laughs> I think it stands <laughs> that frontline could be effective for his flea problem. We're just glad he didn't do it. Anyways, um, we cut to Marco. And Marco has been lifted up by the Valik, and it has brought him to the bridge. Um, Rachel and Cassie are still down below, and Marco's dropped off on what looks to be the Enterprise Bridge, but more triangular, and instead of our favorite, you know, Picard and Worf and all those guys, there's Taxon and hork and then Visor 3. Visor 3 starts ordering Marco to demorph, and of course, as usual, they say nothing, because they don't want to give away that they're humans, they don't want to slip up. So Visor 3 starts, like, having a temper tantrum because someone's ignoring him and uh <laughs> it's as usual Stupid. you know why won't you do what i say man child yeah he stomps his little hoops <laughs> <laughs> um that's so cute <laughs> it's so cute it's a cute visual i'm dying <laughs> as pure evil that's incarnate real. stomps his little hoops <laughs> Just an angry Andalite just stomping his little i'm sorry i can't feel my face <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna keep going. I'll I'll oh let you. God. Yeah, I'll let you dwell on that that mental image. Don't drink in podcast, kids. This is why we don't drink during the regular podcast. Anyways, um, X starts talking to Marco. Marco jumps a little bit and then realizes X is alive. This is great, and uh, he gets like, "Where are you?" And X is like, "I'm on Visor Three, and that's kind of creepy but funny." And then bonus, X has a plan. He goes, Marco, look for a little pad that a taxon is touching. And he's like, okay. He's like, it's a control pad for the ship. The entire ship. He goes, in a minute, everything's going to go fucking insane. Be ready to touch it and think open hatch. That's all you have to do. Think it real hard. And he's like, all right. So then X starts demorphing and the Vleek descends on Visor 3 because X is on Visor 3. And uh, that's when everybody starts, like, freaking out because Visor 3 is being taken by this thing. And Marco headbutts through one taxon, punches another one out, and then puts his hand on the pad and thinks, open hatch, open the hatch right now. And it does. And he has this moment where he's like, why are we, like, I, I guess Axe's plan is to open the hatch into outer space. But then he realizes they're still in Atmo. And so they can make an escape, theoretically. And then Visor 3 yells, get water, to which both Marco and Axe contemplate, why on earth would he be thirsty at a time like this? <laughs> yep. So. Good job connecting the dots there, guys. Yeah, they'll, they'll get it soon. In a minute. Maybe. It takes little a little it too long, you're time. right. It takes too long. Axe is uh, morphed back into Flea. He reversed the morph from going to Andalite back to Flea, and he jumps, and he gets hit by one of the pieces of this Felique cloud, and he realizes it's actually a tiny creature that has, like, a shit ton of wings on it. And the whole cloud is made up of a bunch of these tiny little creatures. So he's stuck to the thing because one of his flea, like, leg hairs has impaled it. And then they get hit with a giant globule that takes them both down to the floor of the ship. And Axe breaks free. And he realizes it's water. And the way that the Valik is under control now is that they hit him with water, so he dropped Visor 3. So he's like, okay, Interesting. And then he goes, Marco, stomp your feet so I know where you are. And Marco's like, I'm busy right now. And Axe is like, just stomp your feet. And so he does. He makes it to Marco. And they're like, all right, now we can get the fuck out of here. And so Marco jumps off of a ship. You know, it just occurred to me that the uh, visual of the water is, is like spraying a cat with a spray bottle. 
Yes, that's a whole <laughs> <laughs> oh, obsession with cats showing itself again. There you go. He's like, I, oh maybe that's what he meant by programmed it. I fed it or I sprayed it with a water bottle. So we cut back to Rachel. Her memory's coming back more now, and she remembers Marco. So she's demorphing from the elephant while the Valik is busy with Marco, and she and Cassie decide to go owl because they have to get out of there as fast as possible. And they start flying off when hork come at them. Rachel says, go for the eyes, and they make another comment like, oh, that's good old Rachel, even though she can't remember shit, she's still Rachel. Um, And then Jake jumps one. I'm very confused about what happened next. It said something with orange and black stripes showed up and took one of them out. I assume it's Jake. It doesn't really give us that much detail. Before it cuts back to Marco, where Marco and Axe are falling and having the greatest fucking interaction of this entire book. (laughs) (laughs) So Marco's screaming, and Axe is like, can you please stop screaming? You're hurting my head. And Marco's like, okay, well, we're falling. And then Axe goes, oh, well, why don't you just morph to a bird? And Marco's like, it's really fucking annoying that you're so calm right now. And oh, duh. Okay. So he's like, (laughs) then he starts explaining how, like, he has to morph back to a human before he can turn into a bird. So he's like, are we going to have enough time? And they're like, I don't know. So he starts morphing human, morphs to a bird. And then the next time he starts screaming, Axe is like, ah, fuck it. And starts screaming along with him. (laughs) Meanwhile, Axe is still a flea. He won't die. There was no reason for Axe to scream with him other than just camaraderie. So, that's what happens. It's, it's he, pathetic screaming. It's pathetic. Yeah, he's like, ah. <laughs> So. Empathetic screaming. Yeah, empathetic oh. screaming. So, they do make it to Bird before hitting the ground, but only by, like, just a few feet. And then Axe goes, that was exciting. And Marco goes, yeah, let's never do that again. And Axe is like, ever. It happened. So, then we cut back to Jake. Um, Jake is relatively sure Marco and Axe are dead. Um, but he's kind of relieved that they're out of this fight now, even though it it meant the Earth is forfeit. Like, it's just a very, like, defeatist kind of moment Mm -hmm. Jake is having. Um, and it started when he got home from this battle, and his parents have grounded him forever because he got home around midnight, and they're like, no Sega, no TV, nothing. You have to, you're grounded for two weeks and you have to clean up the garage. Jake's like, fuck my life, this can't get any worse. Um, so he goes to bed, just realizing that, there's no way to fight the Yerks and that they're going to win. And he's kind of happy that he doesn't have to be the leader anymore. And and we start with Marco waking up Jake by going, booga, 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 booga. <laughs> and that's how he wakes him up. As you do. That's such a 90s thing as well. Like, I don't think I've heard that yeah. since the 90s. Yeah, no. Um, Jake says, like, I'm grounded for fucking ever. Oh my God, you're alive. Also, I'm grounded forever. And then Marco goes, I talked to your dad on the way in. And he seems really, really excited about you cleaning the garage. And I think that if we just clean the garage, he would let us go. So they literally fucking have to take three hours to clean the garage before they can go save the fucking world. I just want to appreciate that for a moment. They wanted a normal life. They got it. Well, kind of, but they still have to go save the world after they clean the garage. (laughs) Fuck. I mean, I don't want to do shit after cleaning the garage. (laughs) So... Anyways, we cut to Cassie's perspective, where Cassie's horrified that she was a coward, and that she felt that she kept herself safe at the expense of Marco. I mean, it's true, but whatever. So she comes up with a plan, which she doesn't tell us, but she tells the Animorphs, and the one condition of her plan is that she has to do it, because it's a lot of morphing, it's a new morph as well that they haven't tried, and she has to do it as quickly as possible. 
that's Cassie's perspective. And then to take a break from uh, Cassie beating herself up, we go to Tobias, who's beating himself up for sleeping through the entire adventure (laughs) and not participating at all. Damn it, Tobias. Yeah. um, Although uh, I thought you would appreciate that he could not do a night mission because he's a hawk who can't fly at night, really, or see at night. Love it. We're further retconning the whole Tobias flying at night thing. (laughs) Yep. It happens every book. She retcons that just a little more. Little more. So anyways, Tobias is like beating himself up for that. And also he's whale watching. And he finds a whale. Yay! Yay! Uh, We cut back to Cassie. And um, Marco is once again harping on who gets to wear what at the beach. Running conversation with Marco that Uh old hairy dude should not be allowed at the beach. He's really obsessed with Baywatch. Marco, you're going to be an old hairy dude one of these days. Not so I, will he though, or will he forever morph into young Marco? Who knows? Oh my god! To just destroy no! your mind. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Oh my god! Because DNA. I'll sh- <laughs> I had to leave that entire thing in. I can't. I can't mentally deal with that right now. So we'll come back to that when I'm less drunk. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll oh god this. oh god i'm like biting my my fist right now just like <laughs> cassie starts talking about the emotional states of her team members which is something that i noted in this book was new but she does kind of at several points throughout the series because as the emotional heart of this group she's constantly checking in but i think this is the first time that she blatantly calls out this is what so-and-so's feeling this is what so-and-so's feeling this is what, you know, I could tell that Jake's stressed because of this minor nuance, blah, blah, blah. So I just pointed that out as this was, I think, like, like last book, Cassie really started coming into her own as a character. And yep. in this book, I think this was further character development for her in a positive sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, they all morph dolphin, which is awesome. And the Valique can't get them under the water. And they swim up to the whale that Tobias found. So Cassie demorphs while her friends drag her along as dolphins, and then she acquires the whale, and she feels bad about it, but she's like, there's no choice. This is, like, end game. I just have to do it. So she does. I appreciated, though, that she took the moment to, like, think about it. Um, Then we cut back to Tobias, and Tobias is carting Cassie up in the air, and she's a cockroach right now. And as they're flying up and trying to get, like, altitude and get as high as they possibly can, they start talking about fear. And Tobias says he just feels it and does what has to be done anyways, which is, like, a direct Rachel quote. Like, yes, this. Yeah. So, I it's, again, their relationship of them pushing each other and pulling and, like, what we've talked about many times. What I have <laughs> talked about specifically many times. Um and then uh, they go, they hit the height of what Tobias can do, and he says, this is it, kid. And Cassie jumps off his wing, and he says something like, it's funny how people can't know themselves at all because Cassie called herself a coward. And then she's doing this crazy fucking thing, which is extremely brave. So we cut to Cassie, and we find out her plan is to be the cockroach, demorph to human, and then morph into the whale and tumble into the ocean from as high as they could get. So... She's demorphing from cockroach. She's turning into a human. And then as soon as she hits her human morph, she's exhausted. And the Valique is chasing her. And it comes up and, like, starts to to grab onto her as she starts morphing the whale. 
And she's going, I have no strength left. I'm partially whale, but I can't go on. Like, this is so... Uh, she's like, I just can't do this, like, sixth morph in a row. Um, and then the whale mind starts to hit, and she pleads for help, and then kind of says, just this morph. I just have to do this one morph. And uh, starts to go all the way to humpback whale as Valik wraps its tentacles around her. So then the last perspective of the book is Rachel. We cut to Rachel, and she and Jake and Marco are talking in the water, and they see that Cassie's falling, and she's falling really fast, and Marco, I think it's Marco that says, I don't know if she's going to make it in time, but okay, the Valique's slowing her down a little bit. Um, and so the Valique does slow her, but then they start speeding up again, and they say, does it look like she's going faster? And they're like, yeah, so they're falling together. Like, the Valique, it's clearly past its weight limit because, you know, the elephant was too heavy. Of course, the humpback whale is going to be. And as they come crashing down, the Valique tries to unravel itself at the last moment, but it's too tangled up. And they hit the water and splash underneath. And the Valique is defeated, never to rise from the water again. Woo! Yeah! And then there's a brief moment where Cassie's still, but then she kicks her tail and she's excited from the victory. They're excited they've actually won this one. It's their their second victory, but um, their first mission where they didn't start it that they've won. And then uh, we end on Cassie singing her humpback whale song, and it is a message of hope. That is true. This is one of their only defensive victories. Mm-hmm. Usually when they get attacked, they just get screwed over. Yep, exactly. And this was one where they won. And that is the end of this book. Hooray! Huzzah! So, closing thoughts? Well, I felt it was an excellent... Like, like as we said, the, the different perspectives had, had issues mm-hmm. with how it was done. I th- still think it was an excellent start to that style, and then definitely look forward to discussing how it moves forward. Yeah. I liked it. I did. I mean, I I always say that. It's, this is actually probably one of my least favorite Animorphs books once we go along into the other books, but it has some of my favorite interactions at the same time. <laughs> Yeah. Marker and Axe Falling is definitely one of my favorite ones, almost in the entire series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, the do you hate trash cans? Do you just hate trash cans? <laughs> it's just so perfect. It's just such a perfect moment. All right, then I'll ask my question, and uh, Jeremiah, bring you further into this fold. What are your land, air, and sea battle morphs? Uh oh. <laughs> well, it. air, I would probably go. I would probably want to go something like Falcon. Um, the extra speed. Would be a huge advantage, I think. They're not necessarily maneuverable, which I yeah, we'll have to think about that. Oh, they're pretty maneuverable, they? though. Yeah, especially so? compared to like hawks and eagles and things. Maybe then. I mean, they're not an occipiter, but they they can still move pretty fast. Okay, so then for for those reasons, yeah, falcon would be a because at at that point the extra size of the larger birds isn't going to help you a whole lot against most targets you're going to be fighting. Yeah, the extra speed and the ability to dodge and avoid. Getting, you know, shot down. Yeah, excellent points. <laughs> as far as land morphs, something heavy that can hold its own. Honestly, a hork jar with the right martial arts training would be invincible. <laughs> <laughs> I know kung fu! <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know that I ever even considered alien morphs in my battle morph, like my land battle morph. Well, any of my morphs, actually. But take what what little of, of, of martial fighting I know, but but give it like actual martial arts training, and a hork bajar could become in, just I, invincible. I'm just fucking imagining a hork bajar doing Muay Thai right now. Exactly. 
Holy <laughs> shit. Especially with, like, the bladed wrists and stuff. And, like, every time they elbows. throw that yeah. elbow punch and just... <laughs> yeah. Fuck. <Damn. laughs> okay. That, that would give shit. you a bad day pretty darn quick. Yeah, and they're already, like, quick and overpowered anyways. And then, uh, oh my god. The main disadvantage is that they're just not that clever against against the, the Animorphs. Yeah. As as physical beings, they're probably one of the strongest things there. They're That's just not that true. bright. Yeah, and, like, even, like, a... A movement that is unintentional can decapitate someone, so... Right. Oh, jeez. Shit. I'm just, like, fucking... Can you imagine, though, training a hork? Because you're like, wax on, wax off. <laughs> <laughs> but then, and then for, what, what? That's sea, land, or land, sea is what we need. Oh. I mean, my initial response is to say something like, insane like a great white, just because of the sheer... That... Screw all of you. Yeah. Shit. But but no, like, more practically, something smaller. Probably a hammerhead. And that's intimidating still. And like, mm-hmm. hammerheads are, like, still 14 feet long yeah. some, sometimes. Like, those are... That's so probably like toss-up between Great White for the sheer intimidation factor of this this monster. Yeah. And I want you to Megalodon. get into its head. <laughs> Megalodon. <laughs> <laughs> and then I want you to get into its head and tell me why it can't be kept in an aquarium without dying. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's a thing. You like Monterey did it for a while. They but... did, but they still had to let it go yeah. because it started to fail. Sorry, mm-hmm. Wait, wait. Uh, hammerheads? The great, great White. Specifically? Oh, Great White. Mm-hmm. Oh. They think it just needs more space to move around, but that's... They don't know. Right. Yeah. Damn. That's crazy. Shit. You came up with those real fast. I'm still debating my land animal. Like, I still can't <laughs> pick a good one. <laughs> well, what, what would yours be for land animal? Your, your different choices. Oh, fuck. So, I've debated between a lot. I really like... Casey said moose, and I'm really fucking jealous of that. So <laughs> um, you can have it. You can have it. <laughs> g- give me your land more. Like I said... Like I said, I'd probably go wolf. Yeah. I don't know if a moose has the actual finishing power, though. Like, like it doesn't have teeth or anything that can... Right, in a one-on-one fight, sure, it could do well. Trample. But the moment there's anything flanking you, you're you're done. Maybe. that's. I mean, that's true. But my other option was hippo. <laughs> so, um, I liked that. Uh, I came up with a bunch of stupid ones that were very impractical. Of course, kangaroo with guns. So uh, Kangaroo with guns. Yeah, in its pouch. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what about Komodo dragon? We talked about Komodo dragons too. Did we? Yeah, we got a little intense about the poison sacks in their mouth, and by we, I mean me. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, I just I want something that's like got like teeth and claws, but then I can't like I don't want a cat like mm-hmm. you know because your best claws are going to be cats, but yeah. Do you want to go tank? Do you want to go stealth? Do you want to go, like... Like, that's a thing. I want a balance of all of those things. Like Sure. Okay. What would a balance be? Yeah, I don't know what a balance would be. Like, Because, like, tank would be, like, elephant, rhino, hippo, but then you're, like, yeah. you're blind and you're not... Like, Rachel had so many problems with the elephant morph that she switched to grizzly. Mm-hmm. And, like... The same problems, just lesser. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the grizzly is, like, really intimidating, but, like, bears still, I mean, they're great, but, like, if you're not grizzly bear, then, like, you're not doing anything. Kodiak bear might be better, but yeah. she didn't exactly have access to that. Yeah. Then I talked about how, like, uh, somebody had a hyena morph, which would be really cool. Dingo yeah. would be awesome. That'd be similar to wolf. 
Anything from Australia, because like anything from Australia is like extremely poisonous. That's the other thing. Venomous creatures. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, fact, you could do a fastball special combo with with a black mamba or a, something like that. Mm-hmm. That'd Death be a great, great assassination for for trying to take out the vizier. Yeah, and um, the the ones that spit too, so you don't even spitting have to cobras, be sure. yeah spitting cobras. So you don't even have to be in direct contact. Ah, oh, shit. There's just so many options with land animals that I don't even know. Platypus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, They've got, like, a poisonous spur. You wouldn't, and then you'd stab them with your rear claw if you were a male yeah. platypus. Yeah. You poison <laughs> them. You look cute and innocent. You look like a dumb duck beaver, and then you fucking stab Yeah, but, like, sorry, this this was not a yeah, but, like, this this makes no sense as a yeah, but, like, but I'm gonna go with it anyways. So, if you're gonna, like, include alien morphs, going back to the conversation we had ten fucking minutes ago, you'd, you'd definitely choose Andalite instead of hork right? No? You'd choose hork over Andalite? I think the only advantage Andalites have over hork are their training and intelligence. That's true, they have a shit ton of training. Like, they're the, they're the skilled, practiced warriors, whereas the hork are a nut. Yeah. Yeah, but, but would you get the training if you, if you morphed into an Andalite? No. No. You, you, yeah, you would no. just have the body. And of the two, I, I feel a Horkwajar is a more dangerous base creature. Beast creature. Mostly because they have like, so many different options for attacks. Yeah, that's true. They can be as fast as the Andalites with more options. Is there a creature that can't be cut by blades? Because that would be a good battle morph against Horkwajar. Armadillos, if you shoot them with guns... It can ricochet off their arm. Well, that's true of, like, turkeys, too, with birdshot. If you hit a turkey what, really? from far enough away, yeah, their feathers are so dense that it'll, they'll ricochet. What the you fuck? You have to be on the outer edge of the gun, though. That's pretty but, cool. But still. Um, what about, what about an Irish elk? Oh, <laughs> Well, we're going extinct creatures. I mean, that's a whole different ballgame. I mean, uh, yeah. I choose those giant fucking six-foot-tall, like, birds that were native to North America. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were going extinct Giant animals. You, could go, you might as well go for, like, a mammoth. Yeah, or... Saber-tooth. Yeah. Or, like, what we're all thinking, like, T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> are we all thinking that, or is that just you? <laughs> T-Rex or Triceratops. <laughs> you know, there's a reason those guys all went extinct, right? Yeah, but not because of... Lack of combat prowess. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, thank you for finishing that thought when you saw me trip repeatedly over my own. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, Ankylosaurus would be another one against a Horkbajer. Oh, yeah. With yeah. the armor, sure. Pachycephalosaur. Which one that? The one with the dome heads that they may have oh. used for headbutting, but probably not. Oh, the two-legged ones? Mm-hmm. Yep. Parasaurolophus, oh, okay. just because it's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you're going to bring in those, why not like a theosaur for Shit. for water morph? Yeah, but then I couldn't be an orca, and I'm mm. very solid on my orca choice. Sort of solid the orca, okay. Yeah. That's, that's a fair choice. Good, choice. good teeth, good mass. Kills great white sharks. Just mm-hmm. saying. Not not a threat. <laughs> Just <laughs> stating it out. <laughs> Shit. My battle morph can totally take your battle morph. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to have to set up that, like, do you guys remember that shitty TV show that was like they would just battle animals against each other like in CG and they'd like oh yeah 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 they build like three of their yeah uh, yeah yeah I remember that we're gonna shit. have to reboot That's it awesome. but for animorphs I mean you can always do like the uh, not the giant squid but the colossal squid yeah 
Yeah, that would. Oh, that's my sea battle morph sperm whale. Oh, I want to fuck up some giant squids. Toothed whales, largest of the toothed whales. <laughs> Why did you say that fact like you were from Jersey? You had a tooth whale, the largest of the tooth whales. <laughs> it's a baby whale, Jay. <laughs> that's a great battle morph. A mola mola. A mola mola be a fucking terrible battle morph. It's like I want to be a flounder. <laughs> a sea cucumber. Those fuckers get big. Yeah. What about a lionfish? Those things take over everything and kill everything. Oh, oh yeah, invasive species. Mm-hmm. Central. That's okay. If you could change the size of a morph, then doing um, oh. one of those shrimp that have like um, the mantis shrimp that when they punch out, they like break the sonic barrier and like create all these snapping bubbles that you can like hear underwater in submarines and shit. What the- if you could, like, make fuck? that giant and then just fucking punch oh, the shit out of people and they can see in, like, crazy color spectrums and shit, too, so you can never sneak up on one and I could just punch you with its supersonic, like, shrimp claws, that'd be epic. Holy shit. If it wasn't so tiny. <laughs> I don't know how, how much that would hurt to get punched by that shrimp, actually, like, in, in its current size. I feel like it still hurts. Like, it would probably like... split your finger open. Just one finger. Well, yeah, because it's so tiny. <laughs> like, I bet it, it would probably hurt. That's something we now. Yeah, we'll, we'll add it to our list alongside <laughs> knocking children unconscious to see how fast they wake up and fighting a pack of wolves. <laughs> oh, Next time on Animorph Science. <laughs> our other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's three in one episode. How much is getting punched by a mantis shrimp? Hurts. We test it out so you don't have to. Why do we have taglines for that one yet? We haven't figured out taglines for Animorphs Anonymous yet. Jesus Fuck. Christ. Fuck. <laughs> who's, who's in charge of this? Shit, it's me and you. <laughs> <laughs> On that terrible disappointment, should we call it a night? I guess so. That sounds good. All right. You can find us on social media of various types of social medias. Under the name Animorphs Anonymous or various derivations thereof. Yes, on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Animorphs Anonymous. On Instagram, it's at Animorphs Anonymous. On Twitter, it's at Animorphs Anon. Our website, AnimorphsAnonymous.com. And then the one motherfucking weird one is our Gmail address, which is anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com. Because the Yerks stole the other version of that. Give it back! We implore you! We implore you to reconsider! It makes our sign-off thing so difficult. God damn it. (laughs) And on that second terrible disappointment, we're gonna really end it this time. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. Thank you, Jeremiah, for joining us. Yes, thank you. So much fun. It was a pleasure. And screaming with us. Just a little. (laughs) Just a little bit. bit. Alright, that's it. Alright. Good night. Bye. Thank you, good night.